Hello listeners and welcome to Life Narrated. This is part two of our episode on dystopian media. If you haven't already, listen to the last episode to catch up on our discussion. If you have any comments or suggestions, please let us know at suggestions at lifenarrated.com. Personally, I can't wait until someone invents the warp drive and then we all come together for the good of humanity <laughs> as opposed to the good of... Right. Know, man. Like, I'm waiting for also, money to go away. That could also <laughs> cause like two different things. Like You could just be like, as soon as the warp drive is invented, I'm like, peace, I'm on Mars. See you like never. <laughs> I'm going to go fuck up this yeah, planet over here. Exactly. You guys stay on that one or do whatever you want. Go Blah, that leads me into Blade Runner. <laughs> hey! Does it? It does! So Blade how? Runner... Yeah, yeah how no. exactly? Well, because in the movie, right, and in the book, uh, How Do do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, there are colonies on the moon Okay. that people okay. go to, and like, be, like Earth has become like a big trash dump. I'll give it to you. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and then there's also, you know, so there's this, you know, so like the Earth has become kind of like less than desirable place to be but then you also have the um the androids who are becoming sentient and learning and it's so the main character's job one of what he does basically is he determines whether or not an android is an android and androids are supposed to live on well i think it might be the other way around but the moon is where they're supposed to be but like it's like they're not allowed where people are they're basically supposed to be like just like the workforce and but they've made them so good like they've become like companions and okay to people and stuff and so they're trying to kind of gain their own independence emily have you ever seen that movie no i i completely thought you were talking about blade which i think is a different movie that's a very different movie (laughs) (laughs) but still relevant and here's why no no i'm kidding blade runner is is like a classic cyberpunk uh movie with harrison ford of all people, right? Really? Yeah. Young Harrison. Yeah, yeah young. it's fantastic. Super I handsome. Watch if this you, movie. If you watch it, Emily, you should watch. Make sure to watch the director's final cut, which I own on DVD. So there's you can there's several it. different versions, and the original theatrical version ends differently. In fact, very oh, differently. Okay. Than the way the director intended it to be watched, because they're. Um, I, don't, I mean, I guess I should... I want to talk about it. Yeah, go but, for it. A spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. spoiler okay. Maybe I want to take but these like, out. I'm going to take these out, no, and then you guys can no, wave at me. Not, no, no. I'm, I won't okay. spoil it. But okay. basically, it's it's kind of dystopian because um, androids are, like, second-class citizens, even mm-hmm. though they are, like, almost functionally and, like, indistinguishable from humans. It deals almost. with the whole, like, what makes humans human kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. Right. The same thing, like, Ghost in the Shell does a little bit. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Which another one you haven't seen. seen. Uh, why would I even mention that, Emily? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Christ. <sighs> Super. I might have gum brain, but you're the disappointment here. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a cyberpunk like weekend? Just watch yeah. all these movies. I love yes. that. That would be so good. And also The Matrix. In Akira. God damn it, Emily. Which I fell asleep <laughs> uh, during the last time you made me watch it. I fell I'm going to make you watch it and like have a fork and just like if you look like you're dozing <laughs> off. 
If you're not wrapped with attention the whole weekend, we should stab you. You did, like, like try to... I think you punched me last time when I fell asleep. <laughs> but, like, I did it several times. We're going to clockwork arms you and yeah, right? keep your eyeballs It's like open. I'm physically incapable of watching that movie. I'm so sorry. I'm not Is it doing Keanu? it on be purpose. Real. Is it Keanu? <laughs> Maybe. I He's don't very know. good in John Wick. <laughs> I feel like the Matrix and John Wick are his... his uh, Good, good ones. But anyways, it's <laughs> it's kind of a dystopian Blade Runner um, movie, and Harrison Ford plays a character whose job it is to hunt down and terminate androids that come to Earth illegally, okay. or androids that do illegal things. Right. But like pretend his, to be human. Right. Part of his job, though, is to figure out who an android is, or who if who a guy is, is an, an android. android or not. Yeah. Because oh, okay. they're almost indistinguishable, so it's like very difficult. To, to even find your target, much less to kill them because they're super strong. And they have the and there are people who also are like making making androids right so realistic. Like they're doing it intentionally because they're like, can you can you tell? You, you can't tell. So what's the difference? Well, and like people buy them for more money if they're more realistic. Right. But also it makes Think his sex job. Dolls. Right. Are there people who are cyborgs in this reality? Because then that's well, like that a really interesting question. Real weird you know, line. Wasn't there a scene with the dude and the eyeballs? I don't remember. No. Um, no, no, not really. I mean, it's not the way we think of it. Because like, the way I understand it is that the the, the robots, the androids, are mostly biological. Okay. They're just like super enhanced. Okay. So okay. like, kind of like a uh, Westworld. I haven't seen it. But, ah. Yeah, kind ah. of. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not the only one that's seen all this stuff. I haven't, oh, I haven't seen school. all of Westworld, so... It is uh, very good. I haven't seen the other. Uh, so, I, let's get back to the Soviets real quick. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure that, that Blade Runner qualifies, because, like, it's not like... It, unless you count, like, the androids as, like, being, like, the outgroup, or they're... It's, like, dystopian... Like, who's it bad for, except for everybody? I think I think this uh, that the main know. point of Blade Runner is more about what makes a human human, as opposed to this uh, construction of reality. As opposed right. to the governmental structure of how that works. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying, is that, like, it's not so much dystopian as it is, like, I think cyberpunk. It, yeah, and I think, I think there, again, that goes to that, like, when we were talking about our definition of what dystopia is, as far as, like, okay, so... It tends to be, right, like some kind of corrupt totalitarian government. But, I mean, maybe in this case it's just that, like, it is that, like, just undesirable world as opposed to, like, the over right the overlords. It's that kind of, like, like why is this even an issue when people are, like, going hungry or, you know, the, the earth is completely, like, collapsed economically or whatever. Right. I'm not saying that's about Blade Runner, but just, like, that part of the definition, I think comes into play a little bit more in Blade Runner. Right, and, like, it's possible that, like, it has dystopian themes or that, yeah. like, it shares yeah. some elements, like, maybe visually with the common dystopia, but, like, I don't, I'm not sure it's, like, that's, like, the main narrative of Blade Runner. You know, it's how, like, when you're on Netflix and it's, like, here's a comedy and it's, punch, like, Punch Drunk Love and you're, like, this is, this... <laughs> This movie is not a comedy, or like Eternal Sunshine. Oh yeah, not yeah. a comedy. <laughs> like there are funny parts, and like you will laugh, but also like mm. it, it will also hurt you yeah. in your heart. So it's kind of like that idea where it's like people, I think, kind of assume that label. Yeah, yeah. Um, onto things as maybe it's a marketing thing, or maybe it's because it shares certain themes. Yeah, and I think Blade Runner is a good example of that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And also, I just really wanted to tie in. <laughs> 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 yeah. That transition was pretty, 
pretty reachy, but I like I it. I didn't think it worked. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> very seamless. I do want to um, talk about uh, moon colonies, because I feel like there's several uh, dystopian literature that have, like, moon colonies. Specifically, we didn't talk about this earlier, but have you either of you read Bitch Planet? Mm-mm. Bitch Planet? Bitch Planet is a very good graphic novel, um, and Ooh. it basically takes uh, takes place in this this society on Earth that has become super misogynistic and like to the point where it's just like all of these microaggressions that women deal with like magnified and normalized and it's really hard to explain unless you a are a woman or b have read the book and then you're like i understand if like lauren if you read this book you're like someone has said this to me before and like it was clearly wrong and i told them they were wrong but in this society it's okay and like things like for instance the women don't have names legally except for their married names so the first scene works out that it's like um that drives me crazy so hard as a married person who didn't take my partner's last name like i confuse the shit out of some people yeah and i'm like it's not that hard it's not i just kept my i'm yeah kept my name um that's all that yeah so like basically what happens in the first uh series is this woman is in in being interrogated and they're like Mrs. Johnson, I don't remember her last name. Mrs. Johnson, you're accused of, of like, disrespecting your husband and, like, all of these things that are, like, ugh. And, like, working when your husband said not to work and blah, 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 blah. You're accused of all these things. What is your defense? And she's like, I didn't do any of those things. I didn't do any of those things. And, like, there's this whole scene. And then at the end, the husband comes in and is like, this is my wife. She didn't do any of those things. You're talking about my ex-wife. And you're looking for her, and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We made a mistake, because your name is Mrs. Johnson as well. So we'll go find the other <laughs> Mrs. Johnson and deport oh, her to the moon, which is <laughs> is a penal colony for women. And the whole story revolves around this, like, murder ball-like game that the women on the moon play. This sounds awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> like, I was kind of like, this. whatever. And then you were like, women-focused murder ball on the moon. And I was like, yeah. I'm in. Murder <laughs> ball on the moon. And, like, the, because the first part no, is, like... No, it's not wouldn't allow it beforehand, but murder ball? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Like, a little bit. Like, I recognize that's fucked up, but, like, also... Like, I had still told myself I was going to read it, but, like, now I'm, like, definitely into no, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, yeah. it's about this... Oh, these women who are on this moon colony for various reasons, and they're... they're Because they're labeled non-compliant, and they get this uh. brand that says NC on them. And a lot of people have had tattoos that say NC, because they're non-compliant women. <laughs> Um, and then they're so, not from North Carolina. Yeah, they're right. just non-compliant. They're just non-compliant. Women. And so like the way that. that they're going to earn their freedom is by winning this murder ball competition. So it becomes other... almost like a gladiator situation where yeah. it's, you survive and you but it's get free. it's not like they're playing against other inmates. The the as a stunt, they've decided to make a team of the women on the moon of the penal colony mm-hmm. women versus all the professionals. Oh. So if they win, they win their freedom. It's at this point in the recording where I went to the bathroom and Matthew and Lauren continued their conversation because they really wanted to talk about Blade Runner without me in the room. Here's a part of that recording. Yeah, so... um... So I remember the ending of the, I guess, the original viewing or whatever, which is like they leave and you see like the little unicorn and it's kind of... I think that's the one. That's the director's cut. Oh, just kidding then. I know that. Yeah, like, the idea is that it's, like, made to make you think that he is also a replicant. Mm, yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
And like so, yeah, he's like killing people of his own kind, and he's like the most advanced one because no one can even tell, and especially because he's against all the other ones. Well, not only it that, it is like Blade. Kind, kind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, in a way. <laughs> uh, hard to argue on Fucking that one. Fucking full circle, <laughs> I tell you. Emily was right all along. Oh my god, she's. I hope she doesn't delete this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to tell her, don't delete what <laughs> Just keep it and watch it. Listen to it after you've seen it. Yeah, Blade like Runner. make a little file just for listen later. <laughs> listen upon completion of Blade Runner. <laughs> and maybe rewatch Blade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. So Emily, we we discussed Blade Runner. And then, um, so what, what we want to stress to you is do not delete this, we really want you to listen to it, but you have to watch Blade Runner first. <laughs> okay. Just so, keep it on so your I desktop to, and yeah, label it, just like, cut it, listen cut it to you after we watch Blade Runner. Yeah, after after our cyberpunk day. Okay, it's, all right. It, we came to a really great conclusion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, the lengths we go through to accommodate my terrible movie watching. Yeah, we have to do that, though, because, like, honestly, it would be a great day for everybody and for well, you specifically. So the payoff, the payoff will be so I great. promised... To uh, do a marathon of the Fast and the Furious franchise, <laughs> so that is going to be first. <laughs> I'm, I've been curious about that too because a lot of people who I respect their opinions right. really like it, and like I just I can't understand it. Right, and I, I, I think watched. It's I just, think up to Tokyo Drift. Is that I heard that Tokyo Drift was terrible, and that I should skip it, but the rest are good. I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I don't know. I don't like. Honestly, one of my coworkers who I respect their taste very much was like, I went to the midnight showing and it was amazing. <laughs> I was like, I okay. I thought you'd turn your back on family. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, she talks. Like, she has very large teeth. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. The, the actress lady. I'm, I want to hear what you think about it, Emily, because I, I've been like very curious. We're talking about Blade Runner. Or we're talking about Fast and Furious. Both. All of it. But okay. Fast and Furious right now. Oh, okay, gotcha. So okay. jumping back in and. Yeah. Oh, I'm keeping all that in. We need. <laughs> we. Um, I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice because we we really started to touch on the Matrix and having a good conversation yes. there. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the Matrix real quick because yeah. um, I think that's definitely a very good dystopian uh, film, and it's basically the the he thinks he's living this one life, and then he sees behind the curtain the veil is lifted, and he's like. Actually, my whole life is a lie. And, and very undesirable. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, I would call that, like, I have a trouble defining The Matrix as a dystopia, to be honest. Like, really? I think there's so many weird, like, edge cases in that movie. Like, so, for instance, like, what's, like, the ideal society there that's, like, the, supposed to be the utopia that's gone wrong? Well, the wrong? 90s. The 90s, right. <laughs> the 90s of the utopia. <laughs> the utopia that's the, gone wrong, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the utopia is that the, the machines have created this society for these people, and that is what they want everyone. It's the, the utopia is the, the machine's utopia. I see. It's not the people's utopia. So, okay, okay so the so culture is, okay, I see what you're saying. So, like, pe- humans in general are, like, the, the outclass, and the robots are the in-class. Yes, yes. Okay, so it's not like this human society versus this human society versus this one. It's yeah. all humans versus all robots. Versus the robots, Which, yeah. Which, you know, makes sense because it's the fucking Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Okay, I can see that, yeah. In which case, it would be a dystopia, because it's working for the robots, but not for everyone else. Right. And they, yeah. they are totalitarian. Clearly, you know, totalitarian. <laughs> and I guess the Matrix would be their propaganda. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And, it's, and they're, I mean, they're controlling people's emotions, definitely, through, like, 
whatever stimuli and their leisure they as well present. like their whole lives like every yeah, their whole waking lives. moment and even the unawake moments yeah and like they don't even they don't see certain things because of the way that they it's like internalized self-discipline like they don't even see what they're not supposed to see. Yeah. Oh, like when he talks about like deja vu, which is yeah. a sensation like everybody has, and we just accept it. It's like, oh, my brain just got like weird. And they're like, yeah. no, no, no. This is a really specific thing that everyone sees, but doesn't yeah. know that they're seeing it. Yeah. Or doesn't like think it's important. Right. Yeah. Just right. like the, you know, the box, you know, where you were, you were talking about in 1984. It's like, oh, you don't legally have to buy a box, but people do it. Yeah. And everyone yeah. does it. And everyone does everyone it. Everyone does yeah. it. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I guess in that case, it's, like, pretty standard utopia. It's not even, like, or uh, dystopian work. Because, like, all the humans, uh, like, awake or not, are, like, should rebel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then you do. have the ones in Zion. Yeah, who are who... all focused on rebelling. Yeah. Yeah, but some don't know that they should rebel. Some have uh, refused to take... I mean, it's not that they've refused to take responsibility for their actions. They just don't but even know... That... That they they don't even know, yeah, that Well, that, that like, so, um, the invisible the and unaccountable leaders or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the invisible power that is difficult to yeah, contest. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That well, so now that you classic. agree with us, which I'm very glad, but like, it's also like, <laughs> oh, well. There's not much to say about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree. Like, <laughs> I thought it was going to be more complicated <laughs> <Okay>. than that. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Um, good job, everybody. Yeah, so I also <laughs> want to talk about um, The Giver, mm. which I don't know if either of you have read. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to talk, because, like, I've always hated dystopians, and the Hunger Games being the one exception. And I guess V for Vendetta, because that's my favorite movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're um, really good ones, though. Yeah, they're really good. But, like, yeah. I think my hate for dystopians came from the dystopians I was forced to read in high school and in middle school, which were The Giver, 1984, and Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. And, like, all of those come... Not specifically The Giver, I guess, but Animal Farm in 1984. It's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like this hopeless propaganda. Like, the machine is is turning and you can't change it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the fate of all people who try to make changes kind of thing. Um, and with The Giver, it's kind of the same. Like, nothing, no change is affected and, like, it just continues the cycle, I think. I can't remember what happens at the end of The Giver now that I think about it. I mean, but I no, think that's what happens. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the hopelessness of the dystopia novels yeah. that you read that you don't like. Not yeah. So, but like the current one, well, the more recent ones, maybe let's say, where like some change is affected. Yeah. Is and more like, appealing. One person uh, in the, in these stories where someone can make a difference, I think I enjoy those. I mean, in the Hunger Games, you don't really know if the cycle continues. It could be that it just goes right back to the way it was. Right. But, but there was a change, um, at least. For, yeah, but for Viva Vendetta, like, again, you don't know if the cycle continues, but there has been a change. Like, right. something is irrevocably changed. And I guess that's the same with The Hunger Games as well. Yeah, for The Giver, The Giver is interesting because it, it's this society that is so repressed, they don't even see color, which is, like, he's... And the way that this the main character starts to change is that they start to see color and they don't know what that is. And it's really like bugging them. Like, (laughs) what is it about that person's hair that is so different? What is it about that apple that is so different? And it's because they're red and he's never seen red before. Right. Yeah, I think all of these stories have the element of the main character experiencing a change or experiencing uh, lifting the veil. 
Yeah. And like seeing behind the curtain, kind of. I think that's a really big aspect of almost all of these stories. No, I agree with you. And like, I guess like the way the character deals with it is like maybe, or like what happens as the character deals with it is like kind of what you would like or dislike about a certain dystopia. Yes, exactly. And in the the giver, he becomes part of the system. Like mm-hmm. and, he takes on that know, burden. Yeah, and he takes on the burden. And I think in 1984, he becomes part of the system. In the in Animal Farm, I mean, like everyone dies, so the system like just prevails. falls apart. Yeah, the system prevails. And I think that is the kind of dystopian that I really dislike when the system prevails. I think it's like like a bleak thing, obviously, but there's there's a place for it too, right? It's like a cautionary yeah. tale almost, like yeah, like stand up and do something, or the system will prevail. Yeah, you know. Yeah, if you don't, you know, uh, navigate your ship, you can't complain where it ends up, kind of. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But also, so the Handmaid's Tale. Mm. Um, I've never read it, but it nope. is coming out as a movie. Has have either of you read it? I didn't know it was a thing until I saw um, the commercial for the TV show, and it said based on a book. <laughs> I and I was like, "Yeah, okay." I have read it, and you yeah, guys I know you have read it because you are... had to read it, read it in school, didn't you? Yes, I think that Kinda, was one yeah. of those things that I was just able to kind of well, get through. I like yeah, never never had knowing. To read it. For me, it was like summer reading, and like every year they would give us a summer reading list, and they'd be like twelfth grade level and ninth grade, or like if you want to go crazy, try and read this. And one of them was a handmade sale, and I was like, "I'm gonna do it." College level reading. Here I go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get any of this. Done. No, I mean, I got it. I'm teasing. Like, I feel like I did that too, which is why I hate Moby Dick. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you read it and, and you don't understand the themes, because yeah. you're yeah, a little you're kid like, trying to read Moby Dick, you're just yeah. like, we'll suck. <laughs> I've said that before on this show, I'm pretty sure, and I'll say it again. <laughs> Well-known hatred of whales. From <laughs> whales are not that great. <laughs> what do they do? Um, in The Handmaid's Tale, let's just cut to the chase here. Um, there has been some kind of cataclysm, and a new authoritarian regime has grown up, and it basically makes women slaves uh, to either... Did a man write this book? No, it was Margaret Atwood. <laughs> Margaret Atwood. Yeah. It was like, it's a, it's a feminist parable, it's a, too. Yeah, it's a yeah. feminist book. It's... Um, but basically, the main, the main character, the handmaid, is like a house servant to uh, this rich family, and the rich families all have a bunch of servants... Um, and that's like the in-group. And the women in the rich families, many of them anyways, can't have children for some reason. And so instead, the handmaidens are like meant to bear the children of these like powerful men. Mm, because, okay. And that's like their function. That's like what they're so, good for only. Oh. Not, not only, but like... That's but they're why. servants in the home in addition to being the like uh, surrogate. No, they are mostly just the surrogate. Oh. oh yeah, okay. like that's their service... That they provide, so like, okay, and like it's just about this woman's life and how she she hates it and like how she yeah. can remember a time before the regime and like how much better that was and she like intersperses like um, like memories of how it was with like the things that are happening right now and so it's like a direct okay. contrast. Yeah, and um, there's like some sex scenes where like they all three of them have to be in the room legally and like oh. Or else it's really? or else it's um oh the it's, the husband but also the wife the wife and the handmaiden have to all be in the room while like that process is going on or else it's like uh, adultery mm. <laughs> um and okay but mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. but the handmaiden is also forbidden from having sex with anybody else mm. uh, but she has she like gets a crush on um, the the chauffeur I think 
Okay. And they start having like an affair, and then like there's like a resistance, and I think in the end she gets like whisked away, um, and she may or may not end up killed. I forget exactly how it ends. See, I think if this novel had an ending that she prevailed or she got away, I would read it. Yeah. But it, I don't have that confidence. So. <laughs> it's a pretty bleak novel. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And, like, it's so, but does she get pregnant, or is it uh, her like kind of having to like deal with that like fear of like this could happen to me? I forget exactly. I don't think she does get pregnant. She's a very bad handmaiden. Yeah. Well, here's a oh, question. What happens to the handmaids after they ha- are past childbearing age? Oh, that, that does that is like um addressed. I think they like go and live in a convent or something. I forget exactly oh. what it is, but it's like it's like uh, not great, but it's also not the worst. It is like that. Can they? Do. Yeah. Do. They get the nookie right. then? Like Next can one. they have sex at that point? Is that a I thing? Know. Like I just <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, I was like I said. I read it in high school. And, like, it's a big I thing. Yeah, didn't I quite get I it get at the time. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. But Margaret Atwood is one of those authors that have written several dystopians. Like that is her thing. Yeah. And I know the Oryx and Crake series is also dystopian. I haven't read anything by her, so I've heard that's a really good one. We've talked yeah. about this a lot because um, I think we all really enjoyed this series. But Mistborn, I think, is another really good. Um, oh yeah, dystopia, dystopia for sure. Yeah. I just wanted like. Because we've talked about it so much, I don't think we really need to go into it, but I just wanted to point that out. That's another yeah, that's good true. one. I really, I like the, uh, There's an in the group eternal. And the out group. Yeah, in group, out group, and in, and like they, they've made the, the ruler, the totalitarian ruler, immortal. So it's like, oh, yeah. you can't even imagine what it would be like without him. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is and a really great manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, the way that that's they your bag. like. Instead of saying, like, oh, my God, they say, oh, my leader, or whatever. I don't remember his name. Lord Ruler. Yeah. Lord Ruler. Yeah, Lord Ruler. And it's like, so they're equating him with this God, and it's this, like, linguistic programming that's happening. Um, Yeah, so what about uh, Minority Report? I think that's a dystopian, but maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. This is where... Uh, the movie has Tom Cruise in it, and it's like people, they have a bunch of seers that predict crimes, yeah. and then you get arrested because you are, they see you committing a crime in the future. Yeah, so like, I think this would count as a case where like, for like the vast majority of people, works out just fine, except for Tom Cruise, yeah. who <laughs> suddenly is hunted. Well, I think... I think also for, like, those people that are... the regular criminals. Because the the system breaks down at a certain point, and someone is framing someone else for a crime. Like, Tom Cruise specifically is framed for killing one of the Sears, but someone has... Or, no, he kidnaps uh, her. Well, he he ends up kidnapping her, but the reason that he's being hunted is because they think that he's going to kill somebody. Right. And it turns out that somebody has planted that idea in the seer's brain in order to get him out of the way so that they can kill the seer. Yeah, I think that when we were talking about the the themes, or he wanted to keep her, basically, so that the, the, so the, organi- the bad guy. organization... Yeah. So, but yeah. talking about, like, that, you know, when you look at the theme, so you have this manipulation and controlling factor, you know, and then, and the corruption... Because they yeah. find out later the the head of the precog crime division um, said uh, murdered someone in such a way that someone innocent was arrested for it. So he yeah. manipulated the system to in- install his sure. order. His 
and but also it, it's also only in Washington at this like in the movie, which is I'm I've never seen anything other than the movie. But like it's there's a book, yeah. So like the idea though is like, well, if this does well here, we can branch out to and and use it in other parts of the country. So I mean, it's it's a very small localized dystopia. I, just, I disagree. I disagree entirely. Because, like, the thing is... There's, Here we go. This is what I was hoping for the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> there's, cult, there's, like, corruption everywhere, all the time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, one instance of corruption doesn't make a dystopia, nor does, like, one instance of, like, a failed, uh, like, process. It's, well, like, consistent and, like, abuse corruption and failed processes that, like, make the corruption. Or make the dystopia. I think, I think the problem with this system is that it's built on the precogs who are being abused. So, so I think the precogs the, would be the out group. Is what well, you're but, to but also too, like yeah, then the you know it's like the <laughs> the repression. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to say this because clearly you don't want people to murder. But if the only thing keeping people in line is the fear of this like government institutionalized system, then you know are people acting on their free will, right? But that's I like mean, a that's a shitty question, thing to though. say. It's but... a different question, though. It's not like a dystopian question. It's like a question yeah. about like the the general goodness of humans, right? So I I think like you could ask but the like same free- thing about but like the freedom of choice is being taken away. You could ask the same thing about the cu- the culture we live in right now, like church and the state are like two reasons why people don't do things. And yeah. like you could say, like, why don't Americans just? Run I would argue that today's other? society is a dystopia, but that's just that's <laughs> a whole other thing. I would so. too, but like my point is like I I don't think that's like. That's like a, a vector on which you can judge a, this movie as a dystopia. I guess is my point. Okay. Uh, well, so here's here's a question. Something similar to Minority Report, um, and I think that it is a dystopian. So maybe we can make the comparison. But that Doctor Who episode of the Star Whale, where fucking whales, Engl- <laughs> fucking whales, England has become this like mobile or London, I guess, has become this mobile spaceship, and. You, throughout the whole episode, there's something going on that you don't quite know. And basically, every citizen is informed of exactly what's going on. And they have two options. And one is to stop the process. And one is to forget what we know, what they know. And everyone has that choice every year. So they, at the end, you find out what it is that everyone finds out. And it's that they have captured a star whale. And they're torturing it as a... And to keep the the whole spaceship afloat, so the star whale is pulling is underneath the spaceship. They've built it on top of him, and he is chauffeuring it through the galaxy. But they're they've opened its brain and they're like messing around in there and like causing it pain in order to keep it moving. And so every citizen is informed of this, and every citizen has the option of stopping it or of uh, forgetting. And everyone, without exception, chooses to forget. And so, yeah, yes, I, that I think is that's a dystopian. You think? I yeah, because it's it's this utopian society built on this falsehood or or the abuse of somebody. That's interesting to like, and in this case, it's just a really, 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 really big somebody. Yeah, just one person. But the thing is, at the end, I I think this episode is genius because at the end, uh, the whole through the whole thing, one of the people who's trying to figure out what's going on is Queen Victoria, and she, <laughs> like, she's sitting. I love it. She's sitting on the ground with like surrounded by cups of water, and she's just like, 
what's going on? Because none of the water is moving and it's supposed to be a spaceship. So clearly they should be some sort of like vibration vibration if there's an engine. But she's like, the engines aren't on. So how are we moving? And so <laughs> she she's like this like Robin Hood-esque character that like runs around trying to, <laughs> you know, figure this out. And at the end, it, it turns out that she she was one of those citizens who got to vote. Right. So she, you know, she was the one who found out and she also decided to forget and as did everyone. So, um, but at the end, sorry, uh, they won the companion. I forgot who it was, destroys the system and, um, it has to be unanimous, right? You said, no, it doesn't. Just one person has to say they want to destroy the system. Oh, that's what I meant. Like it has to be unanimous to forget. But if one person says, end it then yeah, it ends. Yeah. Okay. exactly yeah 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 so um she she also chooses to forget but then she does something that fucks up the system and the star wheel continues to carry london because he came to help like oh yeah and it was just like oh so heartbreaking because he came he heard the he likes children and so he heard the children of london crying because they, you know, their spaceship had broken, and he came close, and the the adults were like, "Let's catch this beast and like use it as our as our motor." But he had come to help because of the children. <laughs> he was, was going to help anyways. He just didn't he was even have help. all the brain stuff happening. And, yeah, <laughs> even after they stop torturing him, he doesn't go away. He helps them, but he's like, "You can stop that now." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, I'm cool, but just get out of my brain, dog. Get out of so my brain. Sad. So, so like, yeah. I think it's similar to Minority Report in that this this society exists, this system exists on the the purposeful ignorance of people at causing abuse to somebody. Hmm. And I think also, I mean, not only the precogs, but also the people who are going to jail because they're going to commit a crime. Like, they haven't yeah. actually done it yet. Yeah. And it's unclear as if you know, these are possible futures or if this is the future. Actually, and I don't know. It goes back to that freedom the- that, I mean, I think it goes back to that freedom of choice. Like, your free yeah. will, you think it's an illusion of free will. Yeah. So you're like, well, I'm not going to murder anybody, so this is fine. But it's like, okay, but what if you're in a situation and you would murder that person? Like, it is crappy to kill people. Let's stress that. <laughs> but... But it's like you have an option. You don't have to kill that person, right. but maybe you're mad enough that you might. And that's think exactly about what it. Tom Cruise's character is faced with because he gets to that moment and chooses not to. Yeah. Right. He starts giving that person the Miranda rights, but he's arrested anyways because he's already yeah. like. Yeah. You know. And that's one of those um, those definitions that we talked about um, the the totalitarian totalitarian regime. Um, exploiting cultural industries to disguise coercion as free will. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I don't know. I think it's an argument to be made both ways for um, minority. Yeah, report. like, I kind of agree. Like, it's not, I don't think it's, like, super cut and dry, like, obviously a dystopia, but, like, it's also Again, not. it kind of goes back to those, it has those themes. Themes, right. It has a lot yeah. of dystopian themes and, like. Mass surveillance. You could possibly, like, make the argument if you wanted to write a dissertation on it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so the last one that uh, I have is uh, Lord of the Flies, which I've actually never seen. Or, or read. Or read, sorry. <laughs> I mean, there is Either a movie. Yeah. There is a movie. But. Um, I also want to talk about Equilibrium, because I think Equilibrium, just really quickly, because it touches yeah. on that, like, minority report and um, even, like, you know, Matrix stuff that we're talking about, where it's, like, really um, uh, science-heavy. Yeah. 
and and blah blah blah. This one suppresses emotion. So you have this society where people take this pill every so often so that they don't feel any emotions. So like art is you know outlawed yeah. and talking about like their upper class citizens who learn <laughs> this like what is it? It's, it's like gun judo. Fu. Yeah, it's gun fu. It's like yeah, kung it's, fu with guns. Yeah. It's dope. <laughs> And um and it's supposed to be extremely like efficient and so the the whole idea being that like when people are emotional we make bad choices, oh. um so you have this like rebel, uh, insurgency who don't take their pill like refusing to take their pills like living outside of the city who um love one I mean like so you have like family units but they're you know kind of put together legally. Um, but they, you know, they fall in love and they have babies and pets, which is another big thing. Um, they have art and they smuggle art and protect it and are often like found out kind of like in V for Vendetta, you know, having these like artifacts from a time that isn't supposed to be okay or whatever, or homosexuality or whatever, um, so they, they smuggle art out and they're often caught because they have like hidden spaces in their homes decorated with these things. So you'll find, like, rooms behind walls that are decorated and all this stuff or whatever. And um, and eventually, so one of the enforcers has his whole, like, moment of insight and stops taking his pills and takes down the regime. So I thought that was, like, a really interesting thing because a lot of uh, what we've been talking about so far is uh, about... Well, uh, sorry, going back. This one specifically deals with regulating people's emotions. Yeah, and that's the same with the giver. They take yeah. pills to ra- to erase their emotions, specifically lust and like romantic feelings. I think is part because they, they start taking the pills at puberty. Okay, I think it's interesting that Brave New World is the only one that's like sex is cool, or the the utopian society says that you know. Yeah, yeah, but you don't. I mean, I think too. It's also kind of like oh, but like sex is like you know. Is cool, and also we don't get hung up on jealousy, and you know. So again, it kind of goes back to that emotional regulation, oh, yeah, as right. well, because it's like, oh kind yeah, the, the only way you can do that is if people don't really feel love. Yeah, interesting, so, interesting. Um, but the, uh, talking about um, what was the other one you mentioned? I'm sorry, Lord of the Flies. Uh, Lord, Lord of, of the, the flies. flies, but Lord of the Flies is very similar to Animal Farm. I feel. Like, it's just, you know, this system, this system that is supposed to work better than any other system, but in the end just falls apart and yeah. everyone dies. And it's extremely, well, not everybody, just Piggy, but, like, <laughs> just extremely brutal. Yeah. And how, yeah. I, I think that's a kind of commentary on, like, even children left to their own devices, you know, will, like... It kind of goes back to this bleak, uh... Yeah, like... Uh, you know, dystopian theme here there's good in everybody but we'll always choose the evil <laughs> yeah that's kind of how like, i feel when we talk about yeah. these sorts of things it's like human you know it's like oh there's good in everyone and everyone is capable of good it's like yeah but the easier route is often the more like evil violent yeah. side i think that all all of these ones that like animal farm 1984 and lord of the flies uh, they're very much like humans are inherently terrible and I don't agree, and so that's kind of why I don't like it. I think, like, Hunger Games and uh, V from Vendetta is, like, there are great wells of goodness in people. And, like, 
they're, and it's very uplifting and like these people had so much to lose and they just gave everything just because they didn't want to live that way because of you know helping their fellow man kind of thing mm-hmm. so I think I prefer that second kind where um, you know the change is made someone makes a decision to help yeah you know? and that a, a big theme in V for Vendetta specifically is living beyond that fear so it's like you're yes. living this way because you're afraid so right. if you stop being afraid that's when the goodness can come out of you like you're afraid yes. to be good because these act these seemingly good actions are always punished yeah and I think like 1984 it's a theme in that it's just like constant and crippling fear yeah like they're just afraid of everything and it turns out in 1984 this person who the uh prole who doesn't have a tv he's actually a spy for the party and so like everyone can betray you and everyone you know is against you and it's just this constant fear and that's how they live their lives so i think that's a very interesting idea that like fear is toxic and like can be used to control you yeah, without and a if doubt. You, yeah, and if you live beyond fear, you can't... I mean, that was taking it back to Trevor Noah. <laughs> that was his <laughs> thing that he kept on saying about his mother, was that she was just fearless. And she got past this system, this apartheid system, by just refusing to be afraid. And I think that's the same... I mean, like, well, for Hunger Games specifically, Katniss was afraid all the time. But she lived... She didn't let that define her. Right. She, li- she, she lived beyond it, even though yeah. she felt it. She <laughs> felt it, but she lived beyond it. There's a word for that thing that you're describing. It's like courage. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, like to have courage is to be afraid, but do it anyways. Yeah, and like to realize that some things are bigger than fear. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm so uplifted by this episode, guys. Yeah! Let's go fuck some shit up. It took a, it took a turn, and then we brought it back up. We brought it back. Uh, I think that's basically all we got, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. honorable mentions, in case anybody likes this shit. The Lobster is a good one. <laughs> uh, Fahrenheit 451 oh, yeah. is a good one. Brazil. Okay. So there's so much out there. Like, yeah. we obviously, like, I kind of mentioned this before where we talk about the things that we like. We didn't even talk about video games. Nope, but that's fine. There's like, oh, shit. We didn't even talk about Half-Life 2. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, well, tell us about Half-Life 2 real quick. So, oh, God. so much in this world. I want to talk about Half-Life 2 because it's a perfect example of a, of a dystopia. So yeah. in Half-Life 1, you're just like a guy in a facility and you go around shooting things and aliens invade and you blow them up. And there's like some kind of story... It's okay, whatever. Yeah. In Half Life Two, at the end of Half Life One, you're put into like stasis by like this weird guy who um, is just known as the G Man. He doesn't even have a has a name. He's just like that's what the fans have named him. Oh, he's this okay. Creepy like suited guy that seems to just like walk through battles without like anybody looking at him. Oh wow! And like he just like walks right up to you at the end of the game and speaks creepily and is like, "Good job, Mister Freeman." Your services are no longer required. He's super creepy. And then he puts you in stasis until Half-Life 2. So you come out of Half-Life 2, and it turns out the whole world has been taken over by this this alien called the Combine. And they've created cities where people are allowed to live, but they all have to wear... Like, these normal, these jumpsuits, and it's, they're like prison cities, basically. Yeah. And, like, the very first thing that happens when you in that game is, like, you're on this train ride, and you get to, like, go around the city seeing things and, like, seeing scenes. But as soon as you get off the train, you walk out, and you get, like, patted down by guards. And then 
you're walking through like this train station, and a guard looks at you, like blocks your way, uh, right next to a trash can, and there's like a, a can, like a soda pop can, sitting on top of the trash can, and he knocks it over, and he's like, "Pick that up, pick up that shit right now." And if you don't do it, he starts like wailing on you. Oh and, like, my god! The only way to get past that port of the game is to pick up the can and put it in the trash can. <laughs> like okay. that's like the gated mechanism there, and like it's it's two things. First, it, Half Life Two is a game about physics, like physics interactions. It was one of the okay. first games that had like pick this big rock up and chuck it really hard at someone, okay. and like watch how things like you know tumble about realistically. And so like that was its gimmick. Yeah. So it's teaching you that gimmick, like hey, pick things up and put them places. But it's also like putting you in the mindset of like this absolute totalitarian like crazy regime, where oh. the guards have like can do whatever the fuck they want. And, like, on the way out of the train station, you pass, like, all these cells where people are being tortured for, you know, whatever reason. And you can hear the screams as you walk out. And But eventually, you come to, like, to find there's, like, a resistance, and you're part of the resistance, and, like, you have to, like... You're, like, actually a resistance icon. The Freeman. Huh. Your, your character's name is Gordon Freeman. But, like, mm. the aliens that have, like, been liberated uh, from this, the Combine group, call you the Freeman. It is the Freeman! Uh-huh. And, like, you have to lead this resistance and fight um, the oppression. And you do that by, like, there's, like, a suppression field around the Earth that keeps people from, like, wanting to mate or even having the ability to mate. Oh, interesting. And so, like, the game is, like... Zaps you, your junk. It zaps your junk, so you don't want to... So, like, they control the population that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the, I think the game ends where you have to, like, blow up the, the field so that people can start banging. <laughs> it all goes back to free love yeah. in pursuit, which of is a lot like Blade. No, I'm kidding. But that's also very, very similar to like the other ones we talked about, the Giver and um, Equilibrium, where like they suppress all emotions, but specifically um, sex, m- like lust. Yeah, mating behavior. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, one of the ones I also uh, wrote down was Snowpiercer is another good one for people to check out if yeah. you like dystopia. Uh, films or literature, that one, that one, just saying Snowpiercer, I hate that. I yeah. hate it a lot. It's like saying the who was clap, the marketing you know, team on that? Well, like it doesn't. That was a terrible it's idea. like moist. It just doesn't <laughs> feel good. It doesn't have good mouth feel. But I was surprisingly, and it is, it is very formulaic. I think we can all agree. Um, but it takes place entirely on a train, but it is, it's got, you know, you got the front, the first class and the third class and, you know, all that in between. So it's a really good one to check out. I also saw there was, um, another video game, not Fallout, but now I'm trying, I'm trying to remember, but it's like a, oh my gosh, I'm, tr- I, I hate that I'm like stumbling so hard because it's Describe one Describe some like, of it. Yeah. Well, I've never played it. Um... But it's one that's, like, really common to play. Not Resident Evil. I feel like we can all agree that's, like, apocalyptic zombie zombie stuff. I think Um, I know what you're talking about, and I can't think of it. Like, I'm... I'm, You guys have literally not described anything about this. I don't know know. how you would know what she's talking about. (laughs) I think I remember that you, like, have to protect this girl, and she is, uh, like, a religious figure, and it's, like, a super racist society. Um... There are several games. Uh, Matt, you've played this in front of me. I know you have. Um, Bioshock. Yeah. Bioshock. Bioshock. We were thinking about the same thing. 
You're amazing. High You're five. amazing. High five to Emily and Lauren Good job, for not guys. describing anything but still getting there. <laughs> it was Bioshock. Yeah, it's no, that's a fantastic example of a dystopia. Yeah, yeah. super fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but also, too, right? Like, I mean, so I've never played it personally. I've seen people play it in front of me, and I've seen a lot of cosplay of Bioshock, like yeah. people dressing up like the big daddies and the little yeah. sisters and stuff. Um, but my understanding, though, is that this the place that it occurs Rapture. at, Rapture, um, is the dystopia is that city, right? Like the rest, does the rest of the world exist outside of it? It and does, but nobody knows that Rapture exists, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's so it's. I think it's like a really great way of uh, kind of isolating you to this one reality. Yeah, I mean that one's like a high capitalist um like dystopia where like everything is like the the whole thing is like no gods no masters just the sweat of your own brow and like that turns out really bad for people who's who don't make the sweat of their own brow or like who rob other people because like that was the sweat of your brow apparently (laughs) it's a it's interesting but it's definitely like a dystopia i i would agree entirely um I think outward. I was thinking of Bioshock 2 where you have to like semi kidnap this girl and it's just the third one Bioshock Infinite where Yeah, there you go. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah, you have to like That was carry the one her I around. Yeah. yeah, I watched you play that one too. <laughs> I watched Matt. So Matt and I used to be roommates. I've watched Matt play a lot of video games. <laughs> so Yeah, that one's also a Just dystopia, to clarify. You know? Yeah. Um but yeah, so Bioshock. Yes. Feels so good to get yeah, there, um, yes. but yeah. So that's one I think is a really kind of mainstream, very much embraced, very popular. I'm trying to think about like the, as opposed to some of our books, like which we've established. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't read that one because it wasn't <laughs> on my reading list in yeah. high school. So I'm trying to think of like all the the hallmarks of a dystopia that like that one matches. Like, there really isn't an out group in Bioshock Infinite. Like, there's like the no, that's not true. There I is. Mean, There's like a rebellion. Yeah. yeah. The There's like literally a rebellion. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was thinking like that. this might qualify for like the one guy kind of dystopia. Yeah. But it doesn't because there's literally a rebellion of people who are workers and they happen to be of like ethnic minorities. And um, and then also like helping you, right? Like They kind of help you, but also they get like kind of weird and they try and kill you at some point. Yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, I think I thought of one. And you can probably argue with me about this, but Firefly is a dystopian. Because you have this, like, star, you know, federation kind of system where everyone's in it, but then it only really benefits the wealthy. And then there's these people on the outskirts who have to kind of eke out a living. Like the people who lost the brown coats? Yeah, well, not even the uh, just the brown coats, but, like, the people who... Who are dropped? Yeah, colonists who are dropped on a terraformed planet with nothing but a hatchet, and kind of they don't benefit from this system, but the system benefits from them, and mm. you know it's kind of, yeah, I think that's an interesting thought. I think you're right. With Star Wars, I mean, uh, okay, so how do we, how do we clarify what is, uh, dystopia? Because you're living in a society that has like. Like, you could say Star Wars is because you have the Empire, which controls the galaxy, right? And all those systems within it. But then you have the Rebellion, and you have Rebellion planets. I think a big idea of this is that the people who come to power aren't inherently evil. 
but they do evil things. So, I mean, that maybe that's not right. It's like they have good intentions. I think in Star Wars, the the Empire have bad intentions because the they are they are uh, Sith lords. You know, yeah, they're being but, led by evil people. Yeah, but I think, for instance, like V for Vendetta, even though he is an evil person, in his mind, this is what is good. So here's like a weird distinction, right? Like where it where the rebellion kind of originates, I think, is an important distinction because like. In Star Wars, for instance, you've got the Empire, and then you've got the the Rebels, and, like, they, it's just a war. Yeah. It's just, like, it's a war story. Right. Yeah. And one side is cast as evil because they do things, but, hey, we never see what, like, life is like for their citizens. Like, we literally never see a big city, or, like, just regular people. So, like, it could be great for them. And also, like, labeling them the Empire and the Rebels is really a misnomer because they were never part of the Empire. Right, like, exactly. They're they're trying to the empire is trying to conquer them, right. but they're not necess- They're never they never were part of the empire. And I guess maybe that's the same with Firefly. Well, but the empire did win in that case. In the case of Firefly, so, and like that's kind of what I'm saying is that I think like you kind of have to like for it to be a dystopia, there has to be like someone or something inside the system that learns yeah. that this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think Star Wars. Has that, and Firefly doesn't either, because there has, in both of those conflicts, someone always knew there was a problem, yeah, and they yeah. fought to fight that problem. And just because they got destroyed or like they're scattered to the winds doesn't mean like it's destroyed. I think the only way that Firefly counts is if you're talking about Serenity, the film, which is when they're exposing the the government for well, their part in the Miranda. Rivers, yeah. If you take into account though um, the experience of the Doctor Simon Tam. He is definitely the character who lives in this world and thinks it's great until the veil is lifted. That's a good point. Yeah, and he specifically is the. I mean, you're not seeing you're not seeing the story from his perspective, but he's definitely like, I thought this was great. I thought our lives were fantastic until I learned the truth. So, and how it affected him personally through his sister. Yeah. In that case, I think that might that might qualify for dystopia, or at least dystopian themes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Especially because, like, their story is central to the larger story of, like, Miranda and, like, all this other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I that, I, yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah. So that is, like, my favorite TV show, so, th- like, three of my favorite things are all dystopian, <laughs> but I hate dystopians. That's, that's, uh, you're going to have to come to terms with that yourself. Yeah, right? yeah that <laughs> sounds like cognitive dissonance That's right for here. you and your God to work out. <laughs> might, might we say even a double think? Oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's, that's it. Um, thank you guys for listening and uh, join us in a month when we talk about something else. See you <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Bye, listeners. Bye-bye. Bye.